Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hello, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Once again, V Radio is proud to present uh, Jacques Fresco and Roxanne Meadows of the Venus Project. I already have them here on the line. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Great. How are you, Neil? Excellent. Doing well, thanks. Good, good. Um, well, there's a few things, obviously, that we're going to end up talking about. Uh, what I wanted to start off with was to give you guys an opportunity to describe your experiences and your recent tours in Europe um, and uh, Mexico. And uh, also, uh, as I discussed with Roxanne previously, you had an announcement you wanted to make. Uh, and I know a lot of the listeners are interested in hearing about that, basically the news you were talking about in our previous phone conversation. So go ahead and uh, take the floor. You know, Describe where you've been and where you're going. Well, we went to Copenhagen. Jacques had a lecture there. And then we went to London, where we had two lectures, and then a week back home. And then we went to Mexico, where Jacques picked up an international design award, and uh, then to San Salvador for a seminar, two-day seminar on the Venus Project. Excellent. And all the trips went really, really well. We were very well received. We in London we were driven around in the Venus Project taxi, which <laughs> which was a real thrill. You can see it on our website and on the home page. Right. And the taxi cab driver was terrific. He went to the lectures and he he's like an M uh, a um a, he he represents the Venus Project. He talks Ambassador. about it and he really really is proud of his taxi. Excellent. I could say I'd become a taxi driver if I could be a Venus Project taxi driver. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, how are you? I mean, you, um, you said El, El San Salvador, was that where it was? Right, San Salvador. Oh, oh wow. How did you guys do? I mean, did you did you have a lot of English-speaking listeners, or did somebody translate? Or I think it was about half and half, but we had some friends of ours that went with us. San Salvador is actually publishing... Jacques booked the best that money can't buy in Spanish, and the people oh. who translated it for us went down there. So we spoke at the university there, and they will be using it in their university. That is excellent news. Um, you know, actually, I just actually got done talking to somebody from Zeitgeist Columbia because they wanted to be uh, featured on V Radio because they're currently working on making a fully uh, Spanish dubbed over version of Zeitgeist Addendum and the orientation presentation that will actually have spoken language rather than subtitles. So Great. I'm, gl I'm glad to hear you guys got help with the book. That's excellent news. Um, There's also a publisher that's going to be publishing the book in Spanish in Mexico as well, Mexico City. They're going to, I'm not sure how many they'll be printing, but they'll be printing quite a bit. So we'll have it available too, in Spanish. Great. Excellent. And they are they are distributors too. And these are all people who involve uh, who are volunteering who just want to get the word out. Well, I definitely love to hear that. Um, now, uh, you said that you had an announcement that you had wanted to make. Go ahead, and we'll get that out of the way, and then we'll start moving over to questions. Well, when we were in London, we were there for about nine days, and we were busy from the time we got there to the time we left with interviews and lectures, and, and there were many people who wanted to do lectures in other countries while we were there, but we didn't even have time to do it because we were so booked. Mm -hmm. So when we got back, too, there were several other countries that wanted us to come and have Jacques lecture, and um, so we decided to do a world tour in 2010. So we are organizing that, and if anybody wants to help with a lecture in their country, I could give you an email as to the person who's helping us handle that. So she could introduce you to what needs to be done and different suggestions as to how to go about doing it. Excellent, definitely. Well, uh, to all of you who are listening, I hope you paid attention so that you'd be able to help them. Um, and and I... Go ahead. Give her email. Mm -hmm. Her name is Heather, H-E-A-T-H-E-R, Odom, O-D-O-M, at thevenusproject.com. So if anyone has any ideas for a lecture in their country, anywhere in the world, then um, get in touch with Heather Odom at thevenusproject.com. 
All right. Well, thankfully enough, this will be an archive, so anybody who wasn't able to write that down uh, will be able to get it again. Actually, I can just spell it out into the chat room. You said Heather Odom, spelled O-D-O-M? Correct. At thevenusproject.com? Yes. I'm fairly familiar with that site. I've heard it's pretty cool. <laughs> but um, here you go. Um, all right. Well, um, I've already, you know, basically I'm glad to hear that you guys did so good, um, you know, at those other lectures and that you guys are having so much, you know, basically so much demand for your time. I'm, I'm you know, very much looking forward to seeing how those go. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, what did you think of the uh, recent London lecture now that you've had an opportunity to see it? Meaning Peter's. Oh, it was fantastic. We put it up on our home page as soon as we saw it, which was quite a while ago. It's wonderful. We're looking forward to part two. Yeah, so am I. I. I actually got to have Peter on my show recently, and that was excellent. We talked a little bit about what Zeitgeist 3 is going to be about and uh, things of that nature. Um, well, uh, one of the questions that came up when I posted the um, existence of this radio show is and that you guys are going to be on tonight. Uh, people were asking, or basically they kind of made some comments that I didn't appreciate too much, but um, to, to phrase it better, I guess what I would say is, um, why is our focus right now not on creating the first Venus Project city? Well, we think that what needs to be done first is to get the ideas across. If we had the city and we weren't well enough funded and um, we didn't have people in there that understood this direction, it really wouldn't go anywhere. What we feel is most important first is to educate people as to a, for, towards a new direction, a new value system, and something to work toward. People don't know anything but socialism, communism, free enterprise system, and they know very little of those things too, most of them. But we would like to do a major motion picture or get more, more films. We're having more documentaries done, more people interested in doing more documentaries. But we want to get more information out there to the general public in kind of an entertaining way so it will reach more people. And um, so, it, it, as I said, it gives people a direction to work towards. They understand that there's something else out there. And so they can initiate this. We just don't have enough people yet. We don't have enough funding to do a city, and um, we don't want to do it haphazard or like a little commune. We're not interested in a commune, so we just go and live, you know, a better lifestyle or better. Because as things start to fall apart, people will break over your walls if you have walls for food and whatever they, their needs are. So we see the first city hopefully going up at the same time when we're doing films or we have more information out there. and. Um, so at the end of the films, too, we can introduce that there is something else going on. And the, we see the first city as a place where it's a working center toward the next city. And people would be there doing books and videos and reaching out to the rest of the world, maybe even have a fair on the future, on the real future, not just entertainment like Disney World, where people can come from all over the world, see what the future could be like, see the city, and then go do one in their country and another in another country. But it would be a city, a planning center city. It wouldn't be just a place where people would just go and live well. So there's a lot of work to be done. And the film is really to introduce people to a new value system so we have more people interested in doing the city. Excellent. Well, um, I pretty much already knew the answer. And I'm sure you guys get that one all the time. I just, you know, it seemed to be a bit of a heated debate in that people were wondering, you know, they basically were concerned that. Uh, things would fade away if we didn't start getting ready on a city right away. And I was kind of try, you know, trying to tell them, I'm like, look, you know, we, the resources just don't exist. It's not going to happen at this point. Right. We, have to, we have to change enough people's minds that this is the direction that everybody should be taking before any such, you know, project can really be realistic. And at this point, I mean, yeah, we could probably put together a decent fundraiser to get started, but it would, at this point, the resources are just not there, and we are far better off just trying to get this idea into as many people's ears as possible before we even begin to worry about any of that. So, I'd like to clarify something, Neil. Uh, a very, a very well-informed person um, did an article on what he thinks the Venus Project is about, without really studying it or looking into the website or asking appropriate questions. He just filled in what he thought. 
Now, I think you're familiar with the fact that the Venus Project eventually hopes to do away with government entirely. Are you familiar with that? Uh, no, but go ahead. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, a lot of people project their own values into a cybernated government. I'd just like to tell you what it is so that you don't have any misunderstanding. I wish the fellow that wrote the article on the Venus Project, what he thinks it's about, would be listening to this program. Actually, computers, I think I mentioned this before, computers today can handle 1,000 trillion bits of information per second. Now, no group of humans can do that. So when I talk of a cybernated government, I'm not talking about a machine takeover. I'm talking about machines assisting uh, people in the production of foodstuff and uh, transportation, automated transportation. In fact, just recently on television, they announced the fact that the next few years, automobiles will drive themselves. All you do is pick your destination. But anyway, we will surpass automobiles when we do an adequate transportation system that can take you anywhere in the city with a minimum possibility of accidents. So when I say a cybernated government, I do not mean machines taking over. I mean machines being assigned the task of producing an abundance and making it available to all people. These machines do not control people. They only monitor production, distribution, transportation of goods and services. If you don't understand that yet, consider this. Do you remember when people used to operate elevators? Well, those people are gone now. When you press 18, the elevator takes you right to that floor. When people used to operate it, they couldn't quite control the elevator and get it to stop exactly at the floor level. Today, all that's been, people have been phased out. And I say that people cannot handle more than seven different things mentally. They can walk, drink, drink a cold drink, a, a sandwich, and talk to their friends. But when it's over seven different things, they have difficulty. If computers can handle a thousand trillion bits of information per second, it isn't that people are being replaced by machines. It's that machines are catching up and doing a far better job. You know, they used to have a fan boy in the early days that pulled a string that operated a fan that cooled off the king. Today the fan boy's gone. They have air conditioning. You know what I mean? It isn't that the that the air conditioning machine took over. It's been assigned a different task. So when I talk of an automated government, I mean to replace those bits of information that people can't handle. For example, politicians don't know how to solve problems. Don't take my word for it. Just ask any politician, how would you prevent automobiles from hitting one another? They should say, I don't know. How can you increase the agricultural yield without exhausting the soil? I don't know. Well, what do they know? What can they do? Well, politics was great a hundred years ago, but today it's made of a lot of people that know nothing about the technology required to operate our social system towards sustainability. Am I getting to you, Neil? Yes, you are. But yeah, you know I'm totally sold already, Mr. Fresco. <laughs> okay. Yeah, continue clarifying. People though. think that it was a machine government telling people what to do. It is not that. When you pick a house in the future, if you check with a computer, if you want a balcony sticking out of your bedroom and you say, suggest or ask the computer what the best approach would be, uh, before you go ahead and do anything, if you want a balcony, say, sticking out 12, 10 feet or 8 feet, if the computer will suggest 12 feet, you can have a dining area out there. The computer does not override you. It merely suggests. Right. Well, I mean, it's just like you said, like the, the setting on your air conditioning. That doesn't mean there's this evil overlord determining what your temperature is. It just means exactly. that there's a regulated system that's taking care of those things. I just want to make sure you got that message. 
Oh, yeah, I totally did. Um, somebody's actually suggesting, I guess, the way I would phrase this question is, do you feel that universities of the future could be handled uh, essentially like online via the Internet? Would universities be handled online via the Internet? Sure. Except when it has to do with physics or instruction, they need equipment to demonstrate things to the students. In other words, uh, a university would be a very different kind of environment in the future in which all things were all in books but also demonstrated. So you get a hands-on feel for science and technology. When people say, you know, is it only science and technology? No. There's the arts, there's music, there's uh, drama, there's filming, there's all kinds of institutions available to anybody that wants to study anything. Just that science and technology has to do with uh, the technical aspects of society. When you want to put a man in space, you don't consult the art department. You, you consult with rocket engineers, space scientists. In other words, if you want to build a transportation system, again, you don't call on the public. You just do a study of how many people have to be moved every day, and then you build adequate transportation by transportation engineers. Engineers do not control the system any more than they do today. Engineers are assigned tasks, such as we want to put a man on the moon, or we want to build an undersea vehicle to explore the oceans. Well, that's all done by marine scientists. It's never done by the public. The public really thinks that they participate in government. You ask any American whether they voted for the Vietnam War, or even the space program, for that matter, or the design of highways, or the Capitol building, or anything. There's never been a participatory democracy. This is part of the propaganda given to people. They even select the people you're to vote for. You don't select them. You might be under the delusion that you select people. Yeah, I definitely have seen my experiences with that. And I, I, at this point, I only see the political system as being a tool for uh, you know, getting the word out at this point because there are people that are looking there for solutions. But they're not going to get any solutions from politicians. But if you're an activist, then you can go to these political meetings generally and offer other solutions. Um, I'm going to see that some of the questions that I'm getting are a little bit difficult to phrase uh, in easy manner, but basically uh, one person had suggested um, movies like 2010, some of the movies that are more negative about the future. Do you feel that they could be used as tools to be turned around to actually show the, the positive benefits of the Venus Project? Well, they've made many movies. I think they took H.G. Wells' Shape of Things to Come and left out all the social commentary. Then they made a movie called 1984, Brave New World, and books like Atlas Shrugged. All those books are anti-city uh, planning, anti-technology, because people are afraid of technology. The reason they're afraid is because a lot of them lost their jobs with the introduction of, of automation. But actually, in the future, when a new machine comes in, we call the people that work there and say, instead of working eight hours, you now work four hours, four hours. And instead of having a week's vacation, you now have a month's vacation. People will not hate machines. It's when machines threaten their employment that they turn against them. I certainly agree with that. Um, now we, we've talked, we touched on a couple of things. There was actually a couple of like more uh, questions about like your trips that I forgot to ask earlier because I did want to, you know, kind of give people a light on what it is you guys have been doing. Um, did you have any favorite memories or anybody that you met during your recent uh, uh, experiences in other countries talking about the Venus Project that you wanted to share? Um, there are a lot of people very interested in, and they all want to participate, and a lot of them. Uh, unless they're scientists, technicians, draftsmen, engineers, some branch of the physical sciences to do city planning, to work on drawings, architectural renderings, uh, shoot footage uh, on some of our films that describe how the Venus Project operates, 
so the average person can understand it. Um, yes, I've had many people in many different disciplines that are working to help promote the ideas of the Venus Project. There's a wonderful large group in England that are very active, that are doing so many things. There's some that want to do another documentary on the Venus Project, and they're trying to get funding for that now, too, and working on that. Then, as you know, probably uh, Andrew Buxton is doing the VenusProjectDesign.com, where we're, we're having a database and collecting all the technical people that want to help, and there are so many of them. So we're collecting a database of them in different categories, and they're also doing a lot of animations of Jacques' sketches. Um, we're just beginning to scan in a lot of his sketches, and we're up to 1,500, and we're about halfway through of everything, all, all aspects of society, from building, invention, construction, cities in the sea. But, um, so a, a, lot of the anima a lot of the designs are being animated for the, next, for the film that we'd like to do, and they're just beautiful. So they're working on that, too. And, and Heather Odom is in, um, in England and helping to set up the, the tour, the world tour. And there's so many other wonderful people in, in England who are doing a lot of work. Now, um, one of the things uh, that, that keeps coming up, actually, and it's funny that you mentioned that, is people wanted to know, we do have a lot of new members of the movement, I should point out, who are listening to this broadcast. So um, somebody's asking, uh, what is the status of the, the major motion picture then? I, you mentioned a little bit about the animation. Was there any further news on that subject? No, there's a, a film called Earth 2 that Frank De Silva is going to do. And um, he wants to put all the proceeds from that after expenses toward the major motion picture as well. But we're making contacts with people and we're, we're always work, trying to work on that. But there's, you know, there's a lot being done with the animations. So that's pretty incredible. Um, so we're just, we're just always pushing it and seeing who we can meet and, and working on that. We'd like to keep as much control of that as possible so it doesn't turn into one of these hack motion pictures because everything on the future and, motion pictures is really detrimental and terrible. It's just like extrapolating the free enterprise system into the future. It's very scary. And this is nothing like that at all. So um, that's why the, the film is so important, to show that there is a direction that's healthy for the world and for people, and using the best of science and technology. You know, uh, after um, you guys talked about uh, that I actually used to wonder why, like you know, you guys didn't like most modern science fiction. And now that I've sat back and watched a lot of the modern science fiction that I used to watch and love, I see exactly what you're talking about. I, I watched, for example, this recent movie called District Nine, and it was about this group of aliens who crash landed in South Africa and about how they exploited them and uh, basically ended up turning them into weapons and all sorts of stuff. And I just I realized that since the Venus Project, my mentality has totally changed because. Beforehand, I would have been very focused on all of the action in the film, and instead I spent my whole film like rolling my eyes at the various like ways that the monetary system was harming these poor creatures that were, you know, unfortunate enough to be left in humankind's care. And I remember, you know, Jacques making comments about how he doesn't want us to go to space until we get rid of the monetary system because we would probably bring weapons up there. And mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like, oh man, that's terrible. Um, well, you know, everything on robots is about robots killing the designer or about cowboys in space. They're really the same type of values we have today they project into the future. You understand? They have cowboys in murdering and killing, and they don't have anything sane. They can't come up with anything sane. The Hollywood hacks make movies to sell to raise money, but they don't know how to make a movie that makes sense right. because of their background. You know, I'm a writer myself, and it occurred to me when I was thinking about trying to write a, like a story about the Venus Project that it would be very difficult to, to market it to most people because it would be a world of peace and tranquility, and uh, you know, there would be no scandals and no war. And, you know. <laughs> and no, no advertising and no lawyers, no right. investment brokers, no bankers, and no money. Right. So, like, what would you base such a movie on? Because people find all that stuff entertaining now. We've, we've allowed ourselves to be poisoned enough to think that that's, like, 
<laughs> something that's good. Um, but yeah, uh, somebody, I guess their, their question essentially functions on, uh, could you go into what you feel will go on during the transitional phases a little bit more? Well, the transition will see more crime and will be very painful, even though we're moving toward the Venus Project. If we are moving toward the Venus Project, it will be transitional and painful. There'll be unemployment, misery, because we don't have control of the system. We're moving toward a military dictatorship. That's the only way this monetary system has Whenever they use the word sustainability, I always wonder who the hell they're talking about. Sustainability for whom? The banks? The establishment? You know, when you use the word sustainability, it doesn't pertain to all people. The Venus Project pertains to all the people of the Earth. And when we use the word sustainability, we mean taking care of the environment, stop polluting the oceans, cleaning up the oceans, all these cities in the sea that we're working on are not just for cities in the sea. They're to restore the ocean, the reefs, to clean out the garbage we've been dumping into the ocean for years. I think I mentioned that the Army dumped 65 tons of nerve gas off the coast of Miami. This is some years ago. How stupid can you be? Right in the Gulf Stream. Near the Gulf Stream. Mm. So I'm saying that politicians really don't know what to do. No, I agree with you entirely. And I, I think that um, it's a good thing that people are starting to become more critical of their politicians. And it's not just in the United States. I just watched a film called Oh That's Canada. That's all over the world. Yeah, That's definitely. I just watched a film called Oh Canada. The and it was, it's as corrupt as every other country. Yeah, and it's, you know, I guess, like, that's another thing you guys just said is that you've had a lot more luck getting your ideas across in some of these other countries. That's true. Yeah, they're a lot more receptive in Europe. Yeah. Um, would you say there is any countries that stick out in your mind as being the most accepted so far? Well, so far, every country that gave us over an hour to present the ideas want to build an experimental Venus project. Well, even when we went to Turkey, they wanted to send all the college students here in Venus to learn more about the Venus Project. First thing is, what do we have to do to build the Venus Project? Now, this is happening in Australia, New Zealand. It's happening all over, except the United States. Yeah, that's, and I think it's largely because the, in the United States is kind of probably the the, the last bastion of the uh, the monetary system. Uh, I think and it's in a lot of ways almost like the, it, you know, if, if there were to be a, a battle, this would be the, 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 the essentially the headquarters of our opponent, so to speak. We're falling apart, Neil. The United States is not working. All the projects that they put out there, the money that they gave to to the banking industry and the corporations are all public funds. They have a holiday of socialism. You're giving all the money that was used for education and other things to industry, and they're giving it out to their friends. It's a real corrupt uh, system. In fact, I want to say this so that you understand me better. Mm -hmm. Even the Supreme Court judges would be considered criminals in the future. You see, all the people that we admire were brought up to admire they're really stupid beyond description. For example, an American submarine, we have 300 submarines. Each one has more destructive power than all the wars in history. Now, what can you accomplish with that? Oh, I agree. There is a place for senators to go under a mountain. It has a six-month supply of food. What do you come out to? A burnt-out cinder? Radioactive? How stupid can you be? They all have they have on the radio and television is military people. They don't have social scientists, sociologists. There are many people that have better ideas for solving problems on how to bridge the difference between nations. For example, we would have taken all the soldiers and sent them back to school to become problem solvers, not killing machines. Right. 
Um, now, uh, basically, I'm trying to get some of my listeners to have more courage to go ahead and call in. They're all acting like, you know, it's going to be a big deal if they call in. It's amazing how uh, um, shy these people are when it comes to being on the radio, even though, I mean, it's it's no different, really, than being on Ventrilo or anything else. But they are asking questions fairly steadily. Um, this is actually kind of a strange question that I've been getting for a long time, and pe it's, people want to know about Jacques' diet. How do you guys eat there? I know that's kind of irrelevant, but they just, it, for some reason, people want to know. And my mother made 103, and my grandmother was a, used to drink a lot of coffee and smoke cigarettes, and she lived to be about 85. But anyway... There's a lot. I would say it's your attitude mainly. Even if you ate the best food in the world, if you had a very negative type outlook, I think you'd poison yourself. If you don't understand me, sometimes a person that eats uh, selected food, say organic vegetarian, and they see a horrible accident, they throw up. What happened to the good food? You see, if your attitude is very negative, you can poison yourself no matter what you eat. In other words, you have to have something you work towards, something you believe in, something that is positive. And I think in that way, I see the future as offering tremendous possibilities for the benefit of all the world's people. Or we can build hell on earth. It's either... either a grand future for all people, a paradise for all people, or we'll destroy the planet. Now, I don't know which direction it'll take. It depends on how much work other people do. Roxanne and I have little or no power at all. It's what you do out there that to help bring this about. I'm not a psychic. People say to me, when will your new cities be built like I was in control? I have no power at all. It depends if you like the Venus Project or if you don't like it, raise questions. But don't invent your own answers. Ask the Venus Project, how would you deal with people that don't want to live in your system? What if people have a religion that's different than that which is taught by the Venus Project? No, we would permit all religions to flourish. But on Sunday, instead of just having one religion, we have many different types of religions on the air and non-religions and atheists and agnostics. And it's up to the audience to turn it off. In other words, a true democracy presents all points of view, not monitored news or news that's, that's guided to keep you within this culture that serves the interest of few people that control everybody. Your society is not democratic. It never has been democratic. There's never been a democracy anywhere in the world. As long as people can't afford to feed their kids the most nutritious food and they're not educated to do so, you can't have a democracy. Well, consider this. In the days of slavery, you were not permitted to, to teach your slaves how to read. And in Salem, Massachusetts, when people disagreed with the Bible or disagreed with the authorities, they were burned as witches. And for every witch you found, you inherited their bank account and their land. Did you know that? Yeah, totally. I absolutely knew about that. <laughs> I've so studied quite a bit about that. We don't have a very good history. We have chain gangs. We have uh, gangsters in New York and Chicago. We have a panda gas machine. In New Jersey, we had a very interesting governor who uh, had people confess to crimes they never committed. If they, if they ever tried to turn the governor in, he had them picked up. You know, if you go back and study American history, it's very corrupt, super corrupt in the old days. So there are people that talk about reclaiming our democracy. I don't know where they get this myth from. There's never been a democracy to reclaim. You know, that's actually something that Senator Mike Gravel, uh, one of my mentors, told me about, was he actually went back and talked about the original founding fathers and that they weren't really all these great, you know, 
angels that we were told they were, and that a lot of them had their own, you know, uh, selfish interests and heart when they were making the Constitution. And, you know, basically they were just the aristocracy of the colonies. Absolutely. In fact, in order to vote, you couldn't be a woman, you couldn't be a black, and you had to have you have to have have funding and land. So I don't know what they're talking about when they say go back to the democracy and the founding fathers. They were so utterly corrupt and restrictive that it it doesn't make sense. You will consider this. We have a guy in the Bible, King Solomon. He had a thousand wives, and everybody respects King Solomon. Today he'd be arrested as a bigamist. So all the people you admire today would be considered the bums of the future. Right. No, I I totally agree with you. And it's actually like you pointed out slavery and all that. And it's something that uh, I bring up frequently in my debates with like all of my, you know, colleagues. We still have chain gangs in America. As long as you have prisons, armies, navies, police, you're not civilized yet. We are not civilized. And there's no such thing as final frontiers or the best city, or utopia. Everything undergoes constant change. And the society of the future will be dedicated to innovation and change. And the public will be educated to accept change. Not an established system, but an emergent system. I'm sure you have a lot of other questions. I'll try to answer them. Thank you, Jacques. Um, Actually, I just wanted to comment further, and then we have a caller. Um, Actually, we have a few callers. That's interesting. They all sprung up at the same time. Um, the first thing I wanted to comment on was that uh, when I'm debating with um, most of my you know, colleagues in the libertarian movement of the free market capitalists, they always point out, they say, you know, that they're really big on, you know, private property rights. And I ask them who made private property rights. They say, well, our founding fathers, of course. I'm like, yes, you know, the ones who believed in private property, including other human beings. And <laughs> their argument tends to fall on top of itself. Uh, first of all, I'm going to call on my first caller, uh, Thunder. Uh, welcome to the show. Hi there. Hi, Thunder. Can you hear me? Hi, yeah. Roxanne. How are you? Hi, Jock. Great. Um, yeah, you know, we, we get this question a lot, and, and you kind of answered it earlier in the show, uh, about what is going to happen during the transition. And a lot of the argument that we get, say, in Ventrilo, that where we discuss this, is some people say when we answer it with there's going to be a lot of trouble and a lot of fighting, and all this stuff. I don't advocate that. I just say it appears that in order to go from the monetary system to a resource-based economy, it's not going to be smooth. Right, and I agree with that, although there are some that argue that, well, how do we know for sure, how do we know it's not going to be a smooth transition? So I guess when we speak, and people have trouble when we speak in absolutes as if we know for sure, and so maybe if you would mind clarifying a little bit why it is that you feel that we're going to have all this trouble. Why exactly? Why? Because um, we can't make and provide jobs. Uh, no senator, no congressman can make jobs. If people have purchasing power and they buy things, factories hire people. Eventually, most factories will be automated. That is, it's cheaper to automate than to hire people. And in the future, even diagnosticians that say, look at skin disease and can diagnose different skin diseases, it's much easier to photograph all known skin diseases and use electronic means for scanning it and giving you the best solutions. So in the next 15 years, many diagnosticians will lose their jobs. A lot of technical people think, well, machines won't be able to do my job. They're quite wrong. In the next 15 years, I see airplanes being flown automatically and cars self-parking and driving automatically. In other words, most jobs can be easily phased out because humans can't handle the type of information necessary to sustain a highly technical global civilization. Excellent answer, Mr. Fresco. I'm going to pull on another caller. Uh, caller from the 561 area code, you are on the air. Yeah, hello. Uh, this is Kane from the Ventrilo. Um, I just wanted to discuss or, or ask a question. It's, it's on the transition also. Um, during my talks with people, I, I get 
asked this question a lot about the transition. And um, most prominently, the, the question of labor. And I, I think that's definitely a very important question. During the transitionary periods, um, moving from a monetary system to a resource-based economy, uh, when the uh, technology is not there to, as you say, remove you know those those jobs which are mundane, which are boring, which are repetitive. Uh, people, in order for society to operate, people will still need to take part in those jobs. You know, whether it be something like uh, within a sewage treatment facility or or uh, something that's steel. You know, making steel in a factory. In order for society to still operate, we we would still need those jobs. So my question is. Um, what system will be put in place? Would it be some type of credit system? We'd move through some type of socialist system for for those people to still have some reason to to do those boring and mundane and repetitive jobs, which I know if eventually will be. Motion picture. If we can make the motion picture that shows the kind of world people can have, then the transition will be smoother. If we don't, if we don't get sufficient funds to make such a picture. The transition will move toward fascism. That's a, a dictatorship of those in control. Do you understand? Fascism is always installed in a national emergency. I think what he's asking, um, just to clarify, I guess what it, what it is, you know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Kane, but uh, basically it's a question of, okay, so we're to the point now that we've all recognized that this is what we want to do. The world is behind us. How do we take care of people before, basically, when we're getting between point A and point B, you know, where we have all of the technology to take care of everybody, you know, what system would we use to basically to distribute resources for people before we have everything built and all the infrastructure, you know, built to take care of everybody? I can only try to answer that. Uh, I would say that people have to lose their jobs and homes before they even ask the right questions. So right now they're all so heavily propagandized that they still identify with the system. It's when they no longer identify with the system and say, we need something else. And if they can recognize something else, in other words, what they have to do is write their broadcasting companies, they have to write their television studios and say, we want to hear more about the Venus Project. If you don't do that, nothing will happen. Let me say it again. You have to write Various broadcasting companies say, all we hear is military people. All we hear on the air is generals or people that manufacture airplanes. We don't hear from sociologists, social scientists on their views. You don't hear views from the average American or the better informed people. You hear views that keep the system going. So you have to write your radio stations. When we went to England, they used... Uh, all kinds of broadcasting, they, they, and the same thing in Turkey. They had hundreds of people from different radio stations, including CNN in Turkey. If there aren't enough people that understand this direction and want to work towards it, it's not going to happen. So if we can get these ideas out to the majority of people, they'll know what they want to work towards. And if, we, if, it, if the system doesn't improve people's lives right away, it's not going to work. We need reinforcing right away for people to go along with this and want to work towards it and see that their lives, lives are getting better. I would say they, the first construction systems would be prefabricated units. In other words, Jimmy Carter with his hammer and nails is not going to house America. The guy is super ignorant in that area. You know, what we need is extruded buildings. We can extrude a whole building. We can take shape, memory alloys, materials, and make new structures that self-assemble. We can do lots of fantastic things. The future is already here. We're just not using it intelligently. Okay, excellent. When there are jobs that are particularly you know, not they haven't become automated. That are a labor, labor, um, yes, labor intensive, and not very favorable jobs. You rotate people. People will work maybe one hour, two hours at those jobs, and rotate them. So, um, you know, they'd have to work less hours. 
what we would do during the transition is have resource access centers so people can access the necessities of life. If they can't access that, you're going to have a high crime rate. In other words, there was a time when water was so abundant that nobody could put a price tag on it. It's when you run out of water that a price tag is put upon it. You have to pay a buck for a glass of water today. The reason there's no price tag on the air you breathe, although it's absolutely necessary to sustain life, there's so much of it, no one could put a price tag on it. No one can put a price tag on it. Now, there are a lot of people that ask me a question, say, you want to give people things for nothing. And that's a terrible thing to do. Just think about this statement that I'm going to make now. Just being born in America, you got the radio, the airplane, television, telephones, all technology for nothing. You had nothing to do with it. You didn't make the airplane or the automobile. You got all that for nothing, and it doesn't hurt you one bit. Okay. Uh, Kane, did you have anything further on that, or can I move to the next caller? Um, well, you know, my the premise of really my question was um, what would provoke someone to, to do something that is not automated yet, uh, that has not been removed uh, from, the, from the, the job area? What would provoke someone to do something mundane and boring when somebody else is sitting at home, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, doing whatever they, they want. Why would they want uh, actually, to Actually, I think I, I think I can field this. Um, basically, the reason, in those kinds of transitions, obviously there's always going to be some difficulty, just like there was during the transition to communism and other systems. But what's gonna, the reason they keep talking about the fact that we need to change the value system is that once the value system is changed, people will be more inclined to volunteer. One of the reasons why you have so much trouble getting people to volunteer now is everybody's about what's in it for me. And, and they only think in terms of individually. When you, once you move to a more of a collective view of like what's good for everybody, then at that point you agree to work together on a project because everybody benefits. What, what benefits you? What motivates you, for example, to clean out the sewer system so it functions? Well, do you want sewers? You know, what, what, do, you, do you want food? Well, what, that's what's going to motivate you to, um, you know, to work on you know, the hydroponic system or whatever it is we're using for food. So, I mean, it's, it, it will come down to the point, yes, you're occasionally going to get some, you know, some practices of people being lazy, but as Roxanne pointed out, you can rotate that work and make it much smaller for everybody overall. So, mm -hmm. and good, Neil. Thank you. <laughs> um, now, uh, was there anything else, Kane, or can I move on to the next caller? Um, uh, you were saying that the person would only have to work one or two hours. Uh, I, I thought you were saying, uh, like, volunteering. Would, would there be some mm -hmm. type of system that would then propel that person to work one or two hours? Would, would he be forced and to you work You can one work as long as you want, but they, there'd be the regulated time. Doctors might work three or four hours a day, unless they wanted to work longer. That's up to you. But you don't have to work more than the assigned time. It's something that can be agreed upon by the people that are participating in it because of the fact that essentially it benefits everybody if everybody's working along that line. Everybody recognizes what needs to be done. It's one of the reasons you need to change the value system and the awareness of everybody about what needs to be done. In many cases right now, most people have no idea what goes into the infrastructure of their everyday lives. Once that changes, then people will be a lot more willing to do it. And it, you know, In some cases, it may need to be done in smaller pockets in some places, but overall, once the infrastructure is built, it takes care of itself. Well, on the whole, uh, the American economy is not comprised of people that even know how their government works. Did you know that they read sections of the Bill of Rights in a high school, and they asked the students what they thought of it. They said it sounds like communist propaganda. They didn't even know the Bill of Rights. <laughs> That's I'm sorry about these things, but the American people have been kept ignorant for years mm -hmm. by lack of education. We have more propaganda than education. Even our universities, I'm going to try to prove it to you, your universities are better equipped than they've ever been in the past with more scientific equipment, yet the wars are getting worse. So how can you say we're civilized? There's something missing in all our schools. No, if you still don't understand me, the scientists in Germany fell in line with Hitler, most of them. The scientists in Italy fell in line with Mussolini. The scientists in America fell in line with the United States. That, that's not, they are not scientists. 
the tools of the establishment. A scientist would not work on a killing machine. A scientist would not work on weapon systems. A scientist would work on bridging the difference between nations. How to bring them into the common fold of taking care of the environment and one another. This is science. Today they're specialized in optics, chemistry, structural engineering. In the future, scientists will be multidisciplinarians. So no one can use them to make killing machines or weapons. Um, Kane, thank you for calling in. Since we have limited time in the live broadcast, I'm going to yeah, bring no on problem. the next caller. Thanks a lot. Okay, uh, caller from the 239 area code, you're on the air. Yeah, hi guys, my name is Terrence, I'm from Florida. I'm on TCM 92678 on Ventrilo. And uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys about the Aristotle's Triangle of Influence, which basically he just uh, he uses logic, which is logos, uh, emotions, which is pathos, and ethos, which is credibility or reliability of the speaker. Well, we pretty much uh, know that we're full of logic and emotions, logos and pathos, with, with it, just between the two guys' movies alone. Uh, I was wondering, do you have a person or a group in mind that can help join a movement and take us to the next level, uh, a scientist, a politician, an actor, uh, groups perhaps, or, because their influence will uh, exponentially multiply the Zeitgeist movement and will bring more funds in, and they have the special ability to motivate people to help the movement out. Uh, do you have anybody in mind, any groups perhaps? We've been reaching out for groups, I mean, for 33 years when I've been working with Jacques and, and Jacques before that for many years. We just got an um, email from somebody telling us we should reach out to scientists because we need their endorsement or, or different groups. But, you know, the information is out there a lot. We've been trying to reach out with letters and, and different information just written. It, it never worked for us. I think the best way is through films. You know, the Zeitgeist Addendum came out, and, and there are thousands of people all over the world who want to help and get involved. Right, right. We've been working really hard, and people are always calling us and saying, you know, giving us ideas of what we should be doing. But really, if other people reach out and try and, try and bridge the difference between different groups that they think might identify with, with us, that would be terrific. We've been trying to do it and haven't really had that much luck through letters and things like that. We really don't know anyone of influence like that. I think there are many actors out there that would identify with this. I think well, if Michael Moore was introduced, he may right. identify with Maybe we could talk to him some more. That would be a tremendous help. So I know there's a communications team who's trying to reach out to different people. So well, we maybe ask our focus should be other to try to do this. Maybe our focus yeah. should be trying to get that specific person or individuals or group of people um, just, uh, just to get somebody, a big name to come in and just to help us out uh, would be a big help to the movement, a tremendous help. We're all for it. And if anybody right. knows anybody like that who they think could identify with this, who could take it to another, another level, that, that's what we need. Anybody's help in that area. Some names that come to mind are uh, Richard Dawkins, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Ray Kurzweil, Ron Paul, Noam Chomsky, or groups like Center of Inquiry, the American yeah, Medical Association, MIT. If we could just get one of these to join us, and, and you know, these people of the likes, you know, it would be a tremendous. Uh, uh, let me comment on um, just because people ask me this all the time, and I want to address it. Uh, the problem with Ron Paul is that he is a rabid free market capitalist. Like, that's his whole thing. He thinks that everything will be fine if we get rid of all regulations and just give everything over to the corporations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if you want a politician, my suggestion is Dennis Kucinich. Um, right. But I still it, think that the most he can do we need Ron is Paul, but... Yeah. I'm yeah, just using it as an example. But um, anyway, um, was that all you had as far as questions? Yeah, I just really wanted to know... Uh, if that's a good focus and uh, see if you guys already had somebody or some group in mind. Uh, no, I've never really heard people out there with, with the people that you talk about that touch the social system or the monetary system. They kind of play it safe. And in doing so, we could complete that third triangle of uh, Aristotle's theory. And it, if you look at it, uh, your commercials, your advertising, uh, people of influence, uh, it, it, it uses these three logics that's been around for thousands of years and been very successful. 
Uh, the only thing I'm seeing, and maybe perhaps you guys too, is we're missing that third one. And we have two out of the three. Well, we'd encourage anybody to talk to anyone who they feel would identify with this. We're, we're all Yeah, we're, we're that close. We're that close. Okay. And you guys are you, you guys are doing a great job, yeah. great radio show, and uh, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. According to Peter Joseph of the uh, Zeitgeist Movement, Zeitgeist Addendum, he said there's 20 million people now throughout the world that know of the Venus Project. So it's happening. We have publications from all over the world, magazines from France, England, uh, Iceland, all over that's running articles on the Venus Project. So it's just a matter of time. But if, if people have any ideas, put them to use. In other words, don't put the problem on us. We were up to our necks in detail in answering emails and all kinds of things. So just pick up the phone and you think might be relevant to this. Now, there are three people out there that are well-known that project their own values into the Venus Project. Before you comment on the Venus Project, read all about it. Otherwise, people project a group of scientists in gray ordering people around, telling them what to do. This has nothing to do with the Venus Project. This is a projection of someone else. So when you say people like Noam Chomsky, I don't know what Noam Chomsky knows about the Venus Project, but I know if you ask them, he said, well, that's probably some sort of scientific dictatorship. He would not ask questions. I've had that experience with people like that. There are many people that do not ask questions. In other words, what if someone doesn't want to live in our cities? What do you do? Who makes the decisions? They never ask questions. They project their own values. This is due to the ego problem, and that's a major problem in all, all the countries today, a human ego is one of the worst mechanisms for communication. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. I just did a whole piece on um, uh, ad hominem debate tactics, and uh, I did some stuff about the your own opinion stuff, and people don't recognize that the opinion is obviously, in many cases, totally corrupted by the ego, and in many cases, you won't let go of an opinion forever just because you're worried about you know, how bad it'll make you look to be proven wrong. Um, yeah, but so it's once again, um, we're now down to like the last four minutes of the show. Um, Jacques and Roxanne, I was hoping you guys might hang on with me a little bit off the air so that I have some questions to ask you after the show. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, uh, basically, uh, Jacques, I'm going to give you the floor for these last three minutes. Um, let me tell, or actually it's two minutes, let me tell. Um, once again, everybody, thank you for tuning in to V Radio. Uh, please visit vradio.org. That's v hyphen radio.org. Um, thank you to everybody who donated last month. Um, it was like actually a big, pleasant surprise. Uh, the next donation thing is up, but don't worry about it right now. I don't need any more money right now. Um, and uh, thanks again to Jacques and Roxanne being on. Um, Jacques, go ahead and take the floor again for a few minutes, and um, after the show is finished, I will talk to you guys off the air. Okay. Um, those of you that know little or nothing about the Venus Project, what we hope to work toward is to declare all of the Earth's resources as the common heritage of all the world's people. The next project would be to gradually remove all the artificial boundaries that separate nations. We all need the same thing. All nations need clean air, clean water, arable land, and yes. They need, this is what they need, a relevant education. An education that does not include bankers, investment brokers, lawyers, or, or advertising, or any field that doesn't make direct contributions to the well-being of all people. People keep asking, what will people do in the future? They will work on things that and professions you never heard of. In other words, mostly will be roboticists, computer analysts, computer programmers, because this is where the future is going, if we have any kind of future. I'm against the space program because if, if single nations venture into space, I can assure you there'll be nuclear weapons out there, and the next war will be fought in space. 
people are too stupid, not well enough informed to use the technology wisely. If you still don't understand me, the cost of World War II could have housed everyone on Earth, built universities all over the world, schools, cleaned out the slums all over the world. I'm trying to tell you how stupid humans are. They have a terrible record. What we need is a new system, a different way of thinking. Thank you very much, Mr. Fresco, and um, you've actually capped that off at just the right time, and um, that will be the end of that. Uh, thanks a lot to everybody who just tuned in. Everything that's further going on is what have been on the archive, and uh, I appreciate everybody who's tuned in and supported V-Radio. Thanks again. Thank you. And I'm going to disconnect from the show.